You know, this morning, the whole service has been centered around the cross. We're praising God for the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, remember, we're not praising just a piece of wood made by human hands. We're praising the cross because that was God's plan. You see, God is just and God is holy. Stay with me now. And can, how can God who is just and holy be reconciled to man and woman who are sinful? In order, order for God to be just, he also had to be the justifier of people who have sinned. And it is the cross that bridges the gap. Stay with me. It is a cross that bridges the gap between holy God and me and you as sinful people. There's a book song that says the way of the cross leads home. And the cross was the bridge through which we came from our sin, were forgiven, and were made just and righteous by God himself. It is so wonderful to be able to know what the cross is all about and to understand that through the death of Jesus on the cross, we have hope now and we have hope for eternity. So I want to think this morning about the power of the cross. You know, there's a psalm, Psalm 40, and they're going to put it on the screen. Psalm 40, um, I've often thought of it as just a, a, a psalm of encouragement and so forth, because it is. But as I've studied it, 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 you know, it's a prophetic psalm. Did you know that in this psalm, now stay with me, 2,000 or thousands of years before Jesus came, now hundreds of years before Jesus came, David talked about the cross and what it meant to him. It's amazing. He, 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 he confesses something in Psalm 40, and then you go over to Hebrews, and Jesus confessed. It's the same thing that's confessed about Jesus. So you're going to see that the message of Psalm 40 is not only one of great encouragement, but it's a message about the cross. All right, let's start looking at Psalm 40, verse 6. And he's making a confession here, and you'll see it when Jesus makes it. It says, sacrifice and offering you did not desire. In other words, God, we were bringing lambs, we were bringing offerings, but that wasn't really what you desired. My ears you have opened. Burnt offering and sin offering you do not require. In other words, we don't have to do that anymore. No more lambs, no more sacrifices, no more doves. Burnt offering and and sin offering you do not require. Look on to the next verse. Then I said, this is talking about Jesus. Now, this was written hundreds of years before Jesus was born. Then I said, behold, I come in the scroll of the book. It is written of me. You know what I believe he was thinking about when he said that? Isaiah 53, where it says, Jesus was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. But this is... 
quoting what Jesus said. Behold, I come in the scroll of the book. It is written of me. Read on. I delight to do your will, O God. You know what he was saying? It's your will for me to go to the cross. It's your will for me to die for the sins of people. And you know what Jesus said? I delight to do your will, O God. And your law is within my heart. Well, that was Psalm. But now wait a minute. Let's move all the way over to the back of the New Testament. This written hundreds of years before Jesus came. And you come to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5. And guess what? It says this about Jesus. Now, it's just talking about Jesus. Look what it says. Therefore, when he came into the world, Jesus, when he came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you do not desire, but a body, his body, you have prepared for me. And burnt offerings and sacrifices that they offered for hundreds and hundreds of years, you have no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come. It is written in the volume of the book to me to do your will, O God. What David said, the Messiah was going to say when he came to die for our sin, the Hebrew writer recorded, and that's exactly what it is. And what, this is what Jesus was saying. And this is what the Hebrew, David was saying, and the Hebrew writer recorded. It was saying there's a time that's going to come when there's no longer any need to offer lambs on an altar, no longer any need to offer doves as a sacrifice, no, off, no longer offer to bring, uh, need to bring the first fruits of the crop as a sacrifice. That day is going to be over because Jesus is going to come. It's written of him in the volume of the book in Isaiah 53, and he's going to offer the one final sacrifice for our sin. And he's going to offer it on the cross. And so there'll be no more need for sacrifices, no more need for burnt offerings. The sacrifice, Jesus, will offer himself and will enter to a new covenant, the covenant based by grace. Now, so realizing that David is thinking about the cross when he wrote Psalm 40, I want you to notice a couple of things he said. First of all, He said that Jesus, he talked about what Jesus came to save us from. In Psalm 40, he said, now, he's coming. It's written in the book. No more sacrifice. He's going to be the sacrifice. But let me tell you why he's coming. Look at verse 2. You see, we often wondered what this meant. Now, he's talking about the cross. He said, you know what Jesus is going to do? He's going to. Bring me out of a horrible pit. You know, I wonder, well, you know, there are many things that I've identified when I say, well, boy, Jesus, you brought me out of a horrible pit. Man, I think about, you know, uh, the, the horrible pit some people go through of depression. The horrible pit of some people who go through that are bound and addicted to something. The horrible pit of uh, rejection. But this is not the horrible pit he's talking about. You know why I know that? Look look down in Psalm 40. It says, now, he brought me out 
of the horrible pit. Look at verse 12, and he'll tell you what that horrible pit was. Look at what it says. It was his sin. Listen to what David said. Innumerable evils have surrounded me. He said, I'm surrounded by evil. But look what he says. My iniquities, my sin, my transgression has overtaken me. That I am not able to look up. So he must have been down in a pit and needed to look up. And so when David said, he took me out of a horrible pit, he was saying, man, out of my sin, he said, my iniquities have overtaken me. I'm not able to look up. Listen to what he's talking about his sin. They're more than the hairs of my head. Therefore, my heart fails me. See, with his mind on his need for forgiveness, he talked about the Messiah that was going to come to offer the final sacrifice and said, you know what he's going to do? He's going to lift us out of a horrible pit, the pit of our sinful nature and the pit of our sin. You know, David said it again over in, in Psalm, uh, um, it was Psalm, was Psalm 40, verse 12. Well, let, let me say this. The, the reason Jesus came was to take us out of the horrible pit, all right, of sin, to forgive us and to lift us out of it. Now, if you'll look on the screen, we're going to look at Romans 3, verses 10 through 18. And that shows you uh, what, a horrible, what a horrible pit sin is. Now, I'm just reading the Word of God. And Paul said here in Romans, this is true of the Jews and the Greeks. And a Greek meant all Gentiles. Most of us here, 99% are probably Gentiles. There may be some Jews here. But he said, this is true of all Jews and all Gentiles without Christ. Look at what it says. There's none righteous, no, not one. There's none who understands. There's none who seeks after God. They've all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There's none who does good. No, not one. Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues they have practiced deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips. Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace they have not owned. And then he concludes by saying, And the result of sin when it's run its course, There's no fear of God. No fear of God before their eyes. So in Psalm 40, David's talking about the cross. And he said he came to take us out of the horrible pit of our sin so that we could be forgiven, cleansed, our sins could be gone, and we could be ever right with God. But look, go back over to Psalm 40, and it says in verse 2 that he took us out of the miry clay. Go back over to Psalm 40, verse 2. He brought me out of a horrible pit through the cross. Our sins can be forgiven. Our sin nature rendered powerless, and we can be out of the horrible pit. But he said he also took me out of the miry clay. You know what that was? 
if the horrible pit was our sin that he lifted us out of, the miry clay, you know what you think about clay is this? That it's real slick, and if it's soft, you can sing up, sink up in it. Have you ever tried to walk on real slick clay? I, I mean, you, you'll slip and you'll slide, and if you ever tried to get out of something that was clay, you, you can't get out. You know what cl- the miry clay is? It is our own human effort, our own good works, our own attempt by our human power to get out of our sin. You can't do it. David just kind of had this picture. Man, I, I'm trying to get out of this horrible pit, the, the sins that have besetted me. And he said, I'm trying to climb out, but it's like miry clay. I raise one foot up and it slides down, and I raise another and it slides down. I put my hands in the clay to try. I can't get out of it. It's miry clay. No matter how hard I try in this clay, I cannot get out of it. Listen, here's the tragedy. We all need the forgiveness of God. We all need the cleansing of the blood of Jesus for our sin. But the tragedy is, is when you think that by your own ability or your own self-effort or by your own human power, by your good works, that you can get rid of your sin. You can't do that. It's miry clay. The more you try to get out of it, you, the more you say, I'm not going to do that anymore, the more you attempt to get out of, the, uh, of that pit, the, the, you, you just can't do it. Because none of us are saved, by our, are saved by our good works. None of us are saved by our human effort. None of us are saved by practicing religion. It is only the cross and the blood of Jesus. So David said, I'll tell you what, I had a problem with sin in my life. And, 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 and I tried everything I could to get out. But it was like miry clay. He said, but you know, God, Jesus, took me out. At that horrible pit. And he took me out of the miry clay. You know what breaks my heart today? It's people who are trying to get right with God. For people who are trying to live the Christian life. And people who are trying to overcome sin in their own power. Listen. You know, I, I, I would, when I was away from God and, and, and as a teenager and all that stuff, you know, I'd lay in bed at night and say, well, Lord, I'll tell you one thing, I'm not ever going to do that again. And, Lord, I'm going to turn over a new leaf. And I turned over so many new leaves, I wore out the pages, y'all. And no matter how many promises I made God, I never could keep them until Jesus Christ took me out of the horrible pit. And it wasn't by my effort. He took me out of the miry clay. And it was through his cross, through his death on the cross. So, Jesus came to save us from the horrible pit of our own sin and the miry clay of good works and self-effort. Titus 3.5 says, it'll be on the screen, not by works of righteousness which we have done. Do you understand that? Not by any good work that I could do. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by, through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of of the Holy Spirit. So, you know, Psalm 40 is all about the cross. And that finally David delivered that only the Lord could deliver him. If you look down in um, 40, Psalm 40, verse 13, you'll see it on the screen. David finally realized that it was only the Lord. Look, look what he said. 
He said, I got out of that horrible pit of my sin. And I got out of struggling against that miry clay, my own self-effort. But he says, but it pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. Finally, he realized that God had to deliver him. He'd never get out. He'd never get right. It was God. He said, but be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. And David was having in mind the cross. And look at verse 16 in Psalm 40. It'll be on the screen as well. He said, let all those who seek you rejoice. So finally, he said, I'm in a horrible pit. My sins have overcome me, and I've been struggling and striving to get out everything I could do by my own power. But then I just knew the only one was going to get me out of this horrible pit was the Lord himself. So I cried out to the Lord, and it pleased him to deliver me. And then he said in verse 16, let all those who seek you, seek Jesus, seek God, let all those who seek you rejoice and be glad. Let such as love your salvation say continually, the Lord be magnified. He said, man, I am rejoicing that God got me out of that pit. I'm rejoicing that he got me out of my own human efforts, my reclay. And I'm telling you, I'm rejoicing. I'm magnifying him because he is my salvation. Now, Jesus came to deliver us from the horrible pit. And to deliver us, take us out of the miry clay. That's what he came to deliver us from. But also the second thing I see in the psalm is he came to give us life. He came to give us life. Now we're going to go back to the second verse of Psalm 40. And, and, and he came to give us life. He didn't just come to take us out of the horrible pit and out of the miry But he came. He said, he brought me out of a horrible pit and out of the miry clay. Now look at this. He set my feet on a rock. What a picture. Here's he'd been striving and struggling to get over his sin and to do right and to please God. And he was slipping and sliding. There's a song, slipping and sliding. But he was slipping and sliding. And he just kept falling down. And finally, the Lord reached down and touched him. And he took him out. Hallelujah. And he set his feet on a rock. See, Jesus came to give us life. He came to give us a sure foundation for life, a sure foundation for life. He put my feet on a rock. Do you know what Jesus said? Now, I want you to listen to his words. Jesus said, if you believe in me and you do what I tell you to do, he said this, whosoever hears these sayings of mine, the teachings of Jesus and Jesus himself, whosoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. And the rain descended, and the wind blew, and the floods came, and beat upon that house, and it did not fall because it was founded on a what? Rock. But he said, let me tell you something. Whoever hears my sayings, whoever knows who I am and doesn't believe in me, like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rain descended. And the floods came, and the winds blew, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. You know why Jesus came, praise God, to take us out of the horrible pit of sin and to take us out of the miry clay, self-effort, trying 
to do God's, be right with God in our own strength. And he said, but I also came and I put your feet on a rock. He said, I have come to give you a sure foundation for life. Now, I love it. Over and over again, the psalmist would say, the Lord is my rock. He's my fortress. He's my deliverer. And him will I, I trust. Let me just say one thing. If your life is founded on Jesus Christ, if you're standing on the rock of Jesus, you are safe and secure. Everything around you might fall apart. But glory to God, when you're founded on the rock of Jesus, you will overcome by the Lord Jesus Christ. He came to give us life. He said, he put my feet on a rock. Look on that rest. Let's look at that verse some more. He said he did another thing. He not only came to give us a life with a sure foundation, but he said uh, he came to lead us in our daily life. He said, he, he set my feet on a rock. Listen to this, and established my steps. Evidently, David was thinking about the fact that he'd made this decision and went the wrong way, or he'd made this wrong choice and gone the wrong way. But he said, you know, when Jesus or when God came and took me out of that horrible pit and out of that miry clay and put my feet on a rock and I was secure in God's love and in Jesus, he said, he started leading me. He directed my steps. He said, I didn't have to just wonder if I would just listen to God and read his word and ask him. He would lead me. He said, he established my steps. And the steps of a good man or woman are ordered by the Lord, even though we might fall. So, man, he came to give us life, life on a sure foundation, life that is led by the Holy Spirit. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the children of God. But let me tell you what else. We'll look at the next verse, Psalm 43. He, he, he put in our heart, we became a, a people of praise and thanksgiving. He came to give us life. Man, I'm not afraid to live, not afraid to die. I'm founded on the rock of Jesus. And, and Lord, you know, not only that, but Father, I know that you'll lead me. You'll lead me. Sometimes I don't trust my own to judgment, but you'll lead me, Lord. But you know what else it said? He gave us a life full of thanks and praise. You put a new song in my mouth. See, David was a singer. When Saul was depressed, he would send for David, and David would play the harp and sing to him. But then David got in a lot of trouble spiritually, and, 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 and boy, there, there was the time when David needed, to put, God need, David needed for God to put a new song in his heart. And then what he said, He's put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. I look back on my life when I was away from God. I got saved when I was nine years old. Never got away from God. I, I, I drifted away. I got away from God, way away from God. But I never got away from him because he would never let go of me. And I'm telling you, uh, I couldn't get away with nothing, even when I wasn't living right. I'm telling you, he'd convict me. Uh, I, I remember I, I went out one time with this lady, this girl. I was in high school and acted appropriately. And don't let your mind race her. I just acted appropriately. And you know what I did? I got so convicted, I called her the next day and apologized. I bet she said, who is that idiot? I was so convicted. I'm telling you, even though I, I was nine when I got saved and I drifted away, 
God would never, ever. I'm, I'm telling you, it was unbelievable. And, and every night I'd pray. I'm not sure. I think he said, well, when are you going to wake up and realize what's wrong with you? But anyway, but he, but I'm going to tell you something. One of the worst things I ever did, and I'm, I'm ashamed of it, is I used to take God's name in vain. I'd do something wrong or miss a shot or do something, and I, I, I'd just cuss. I'd take God's name. I'll tell you what, the Bible says God will hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. And I look back on that and I say, God, it's wonder you didn't strike me dead. To curse the God who loved me and who sent his son Jesus to die for me and in whom there was life, to curse his name is unthinkable. But you know what? When I got right with God at 19, that all changed. He put a new song in my mouth. And I've, I, I, don't, I've, I don't believe I've ever since that time cursed God. I don't believe that word has ever come out of my mouth because he put a new song in my heart, even praise to our God. And now I'm not asking God to damn somebody. I'm just saying I want you just to praise God and praise Jesus and love God. God is a wonderful, awesome, holy God who is to be revered and feared, and you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And I'm telling you, God takes that away from you. And he puts a new song in your heart. It's called even praise to our God. So through the cross, Jesus took us from a horrible pit. He took us out of the miry clay. He put our feet on a rock. He established our steps. And glory to God, he put a new song in our mouth. Even praise to our God. And then it also says that he learned to trust God. Look at uh, verse 4. Put a new song in my mouth. Many will see it in fear and will trust in the Lord. David began to trust him. He didn't trust in his own power. Didn't trust in his own strength. He began to trust God. Just trust him. Put his faith in him. And so this was all as David was thinking and looking forward to the cross. All right, I want to do this right now. I want to show you the power of the cross. How it can be powerful in your life. Not you, it just may not be the horrible pit of sin that he needs to take you out of. It may just be another horrible pit that you're in that you need for Jesus to lift you out of. And it, it, it may be that you, you're kind of on some slippy, slippery slope right now. And he needs to come and touch you and put you on a sure foundation. Well, it's all through the cross. Uh, he's going to put up on the screen Hebrews 10. And this is the verse that was in Psalm 40. Uh, in, in, in Hebrews 10, uh, uh, verse 5, Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. He said, I'm going to offer up my body. That's what I'm going to do. And then he goes on down, and, and he gets down in, uh, to, uh, to verse 10. Let's look at Hebrews 10, 10. And it says that the way he's going to do that, now look at this verse. But we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Now, we're zeroing in on the New Testament vision of the cross. And so then we think about the cross 
And praise God, it's empty because Jesus is not on the cross. He's alive. Hallelujah. He's alive in here right now. But, you know, it says here, you've been, I, he set you apart through the offering of the body of Christ. Jesus hung on that cross. And he bore your sin, and Peter says, in your body on the tree. And it was the offering up of his body that made it possible for us to come out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay, to have a sure foundation for life, and to have a song in our heart. It was through the offering up of his own body. On the cross, he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. But go on. It says that he not only offered up his body, but look at verse 12, the same chapter of verse 10. Now get this. This is going to bless you. But this man, Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sin forever, thousands of lambs had been slain. Thousands of sacrifices had been offering. The odor of the carcasses of the sacrifices were out in the valley of Hinnom, constantly going up. But now, they would need no more of that because it says here, but this man, after he offered one sacrifice for sin forever, sat down at the right hand of God. Did you know that when Jesus died on the cross, he paid the full price for all sin, past, present, and future. He doesn't ever have to die again. When he died, all the sins of the whole world were based on him and all sin, past, present, and future was paid in full by the death of Jesus Christ. But see, in order to experience that, you have to come to him and trust him and confess that you are a sinner and repent and tell him that you long to change. And then all that he's done on the cross can be yours. It can be applied to your life. But it says here that the cross, he offered one sacrifice for sin forever. So praise God, the sin debt has been paid. And then you go on down in verse 14, and look at what it says. By one offering, that was himself. This is just the word of God, y'all. By one offering, he perfected forever. Those who are being set apart. Now, now, now this, this, is, this, this is why you got a new song in your heart. Because when Jesus died on the cross, he not only took your sins, removed them, but when you come to him, you experience the forgiveness and the cleansing of your sin, and he remembers them no more. You not only experience the forgiveness, but at the same time, he gives you his righteousness. And that's why it says, by one offering, he has perfected forever. In other words, he not only takes your sin away, but then he gives you his righteousness. And from then on, God doesn't see you in your sin. From then on, God sees you in the righteousness of his son. Hebrews uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21, he made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Here is the message of the cross. Jesus Christ paid the full price for all sin, past, present, and future, by one sacrifice. He's offered one sacrifice for sin forever. And now he is able 
to perfect those who come to him by not only forgiving them, but by giving them his righteousness so that when we stand before God, we do not stand in our sin, but we stand in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And all I got to say is hallelujah. Man, I want to praise God for the cross. You know, and so he not only, uh, and you can look at verse uh, you can go on over to um, uh, Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to show that on the cross. And you can pick it up at verse 16. Okay, so Jesus has made one sacrifice for sin forever. He offered up his body on the cross. And now uh, he has perfected us by giving us his righteousness when we come to Jesus to be saved. But then he goes into a new covenant with us. See, the old covenant was based on sacrifices. It was religion, outward pressure to keep the rules. You know what religion is? It's outward pressure to keep the rules. We don't even like the rules. And when you've got a sinful nature, you don't even want to hear about the rules. And so religion's outward pressure to keep the rules. Jesus came. He said, listen, I didn't come to change the outside. I came to change you on the inside to give you a new heart. And a new spirit to write my law in your heart and your minds. So you will serve me and love me and obey me. Not because you have to, but because you want to. Before I was converted, I said, well, I've got to obey God. And I've got to do what God tells me to do. And I try and try and try in my own energy. And it was, I was just nothing but miry clay. But when Jesus Christ took control of my life, then he changed me on the inside. He wrote his law in my mind, in my heart. And I can say to you today, now I, I, I do, I want to obey God and follow God, not because I have to, but because Jesus made me want to. Did you know I can commit any sin I want to? But praise God, I don't want to. I want to ask you, has Jesus changed your want to? Has he changed your want to? Hey, this is what this is about. Look at that verse. This is the new covenant I will make with them. After those days, said the Lord, I will write my law in their hearts. It's not outward law saying, do this. No, he's written his law on the inside of us. I will write my law in their hearts and in their minds, I'm going to write it. It's not outward, do this, do this. But no, written in our heart is please God. Written in our mind, it's a joy to obey God. I'll put my law in their hearts and in their minds. And then he goes on and says, and their sins and lawless deeds. This is the new covenant. This is what Jesus came to do on the cross. He said, their sins and lawless deeds, I will remember no more. When Christ comes into your heart, he washes your sins away. He buries in the depths of the sea, never to be remembered again. God forgives and God forgets. That's all because of the cross. I could never deserve that. But that's the new covenant, that we'll be his people. And it goes on and think and says in another verse that he, it says, now where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. It's already done. We don't have to keep looking for an offering. All right. Um, let, let me say, I want to say this in closing. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, he came 
and, and said, all right, now, uh, I'm going to give you, um, I'm going to take you out of the horrible pit. I'm going to take you out of the miry clay. He said, I'm going to give you a sure foundation for life. I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I'm going to put your feet on a rock. And he said, not only am I going to put your feet on a rock, he said, um, I- I'm going to um, give you, um, he says, I'm going to put your feet on a rock, and I'm going to give you a life controlled by the Holy Spirit. I'll direct your steps. And he said, I'll give you a life full of praise to God. You won't be cursing him, you'll be praising him. And he said, I'll give you a life that trusts him. And he said, I want you to know that I've taken care of sin. It's taken care of past, present, and future. But I've also taken care of righteousness. I'll give you my righteousness. It's all through the cross. It's all through the cross. It's a gift. Now, I'm telling you, there's no other way. It's all through the cross. He said, I'm going to make a new covenant with you. I'll write my law in your heart and your minds and your sins and iniquities. I'll remember no more. And that was all through the cross. Well, he put our sinful nature to death, y'all. You know, when I was growing up, uh, Nobody ever had to teach me how to sin. Do you ever notice that? <laughs> I was born a sinner. You said, I wasn't born a sinner. Oh, yes, you are. You just proved it. You were born a sinner. My mother never called me in and said, come on in, Fred. It's time for sin practice. She did not have to do that. You understand me, don't you? I was born a sinner. I, have a, I had a sinful nature that I got from Adam. But look what Jesus did. He took care of our sinful nature. Look at Romans 6, 6 through 8. Look at what it says. Knowing this, that our old man, who we were in Adam, was crucified with him. He put it to death. That the body of sin might be rendered powerless. Before Jesus changed my life, I was ruled by my sinful nature. No wonder I sinned. But when Christ came to live in me, he just didn't forgive my sin, but he put to death my sin nature. That's exactly what he did for you. When he came to live in you, he not only forgave your sins, but he took the root, the root, your sinful nature, and put it to death. Our old man was crucified with him that the body of sin might be rendered powerless. And look at the rest of that verse, that we should no longer be a slave of sin. Glory to God, you don't have to be a slave of sin because your sinful nature has been broken. But not only did he put our sinful nature to death, and this is perhaps my favorite verse. I wondered one time how many favorite verses I got. I thought I had 2,012. But this really, can I, get, can I just read a verse to you? And I'm going to ask God to show it to you. It'll be on the screen, but I just want to look at it myself with my eyes right here. It's, it's the first chapter of Revelation. And I, I read this one day, and I know I'd read it many times. And as I read it, I began to weep. I said, that can't be. <laughs> that just can't be. Revelation 1.5. It's on the screen. From Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins. With his own blood. It's almost like. I said Jesus. You touched me. And you touched everyone that trusts you. 
and you wash us. You wash us from our sins with your own blood. That that's a you never you'll never have a glimpse or understand that unless God shows it to you. See, Jesus took care of our sin nature on the cross. But by his death, he just came. He said, Fred, you've been so wicked, but I want to wash you from your sin with my own blood. And he went to you, and he called your name. And he said, you know, you've been so wicked, but I love you, and I want to wash you from your sin with my own blood. Man. That's beyond human comprehension. It's just too big for me to grasp. So he came not only to take care of our sinful nature and to take care of our sins, but now let me just show you this, and this I'm going to pray. Hebrews 9, look at this now. This, this is absolutely verse 12. This is absolutely a glorious verse. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once and for all and obtained redemption for us. Jesus died on the cross, went into heaven, went into the presence of God, went to the mercy seat, sprinkled the mercy seat with his own blood. And it says, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place and obtained eternal redemption for us. And now I want you to look at the next verse. And this will make you shout. I was flying somewhere with Emmett Hildred, and we were going somewhere to preach, and Emmett had no business. The plane was no good, and he was about to have a heart attack. But we were flying somewhere, and, and, and we got to this verse. Now, I want you to listen to this. This is what Jesus has done for you and is doing for you this morning. Christ has not entered the holy places made with hands, which are the copies of the true, but he in, entered into heaven itself to appear in the presence of God for us. Do you know who us is? It's us. Jesus went into heaven itself to appear in the presence of God for you. No wonder we can be forgiven. No wonder we can be saved. No wonder we can be righteous. Because Jesus did it all. He did it all, y'all. Listen, you don't have to work for it. You just have to receive it. You don't have to live in your sin. Just repent and ask God to remove them from you and trust Jesus with your very life. I am telling you, it is done. It is finished. I'm telling you, it is finished. The cross has completed it, and it's empty, and Jesus is alive, and he's Lord, and one day he's coming back again. Hallelujah to the Lamb. I got this in the mail. And um, it's a great song. I'm not going to sing it. And you say, hallelujah. <laughs> I want you to listen to this. In loving kindness, Jesus came. My soul in mercy to reclaim. And from the depths of sin and shame, through grace he lifted me. From sinking sand, <laughs> he lifted me. With tender hand, he lifted me. From shades of night to plains of light. Oh, praise his name. He lifted me. He called me long before I heard. 
before my sinful heart was stirred. And, but when I took him at his word, forgiven, he lifted me. His brow was pierced with many thorns. His hands by cruel nails were torn. When from, but when from my guilt and grief forlorn, in love he lifted me. Now on a higher plane I dwell, and with my soul I know it's well. Yet how or why I cannot tell, he should have lifted me. From sinking sand, he lifted me. With tender hands, he lifted me. From shades of night to plains of light, oh, praise his name, he lifted me. Glory to Jesus.